you would, uh, take your Bible out and find Romans 8. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, you can Google Romans 8. You can use the Bible app to get to Romans 8. Uh, what a day we live in when you can access the words of God like we can. It's amazing. So if you would find Romans 8 that she just read from, those two verses are going to be our text for today as part of our series we're entitling Nothing, uh, where we lean into this idea that there is absolutely nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And uh, it's a very empowering thought, sobering reality to think that we have that kind of God who is for us. So we're going to rest there. And my prayer, honestly, today is that as we go through these two verses that our time together in God's Word and around these two verses would be something that changes the way that you think about these two verses, the way that you think about living your life from here on out. And so I want to pray to that end. God, thank you for your Word. Thank you for your Spirit. God, we pray this morning that those two things will be working together in the hearts and minds of each person here in order that we might bring glory to your name and that we might just bask in the grace and love of God. Change us as we see you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When we know that there is nothing hidden from God, when we know that there is nothing hidden from God, then we can believe that we can face anything with Christ. And when we believe that we can face anything with Christ, there is nothing we won't attempt with the help of the Spirit. And there is no weakness we have as we pursue that, that the Spirit won't help us with. That's where we're beginning and where we're heading today as we're in this, this text. Caitlin and I uh, sat down to look at our budget not long ago. It's one of my favorite meetings in the whole wide world. So we we're going through the whole thing as we move into the school season. You know, you're rearranging, okay, there's some things that we're going to be spending that we haven't spent during the summer. Things are changing here. Babysitters cost more than our house. You know, all the things. And we're going through this whole thing. Caitlin looks at me and she says, and before we get done, we just need to talk about your lunch routine because it makes a difference. I thought I was going to get out of this budget meeting without addressing my lunch routine. I don't want to address my lunch routine. It's a weakness. Not lunch. Lunch is not a weakness. My weakness is that I don't like a budget. <laughs> like, who does, right? Like, who wants to be constrained by that? And I like to hide my weakness. I wanted to get out of that meeting without talking about my lunch routine. 
But it goes way deeper than that. It goes way deeper than me liking to hide my weakness. Because my hunch is you like to hide your weakness. We collectively like to hide our weakness. So we're going to read today's passage again, those two verses. And I think that what we're going to do is that internally and yet collectively, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're all going to cringe when we read words like, he who searches our heart. Because it's kind of an unsettling statement. So let's read our passage again, Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He who searches our hearts. And it causes me, the questioner, to look at that and say, well, God, what are you looking inside of my heart for? What is it you're really trying to find? There's this defensiveness, like, okay, God, why do you need to get in there? What is it that you're really looking for? And the answer is exactly what I hoped that it wouldn't be. He's looking for weakness. He's looking for sins. He's looking for things that ought not be there. Because you see, God created our hearts physically to pump blood into our body. They give us life. But spiritually, our hearts also give us life. It is what is in our heart that pumps life into who we are. In Proverbs 4.23, King Solomon writes, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. He who searches our hearts, the source of our life. God, why are you trying to look in there? In fact, I'm not sure that I want you looking in there, Lord. What are you really searching for? And so we remember the very first human response to sin in the garden. We were naked, so we hid. We like to hide our weaknesses. Our first response, in fact, to weakness or to sin is to hide it. And because that's our first response, we don't like the idea of God searching our heart. And so I have to simply ask the question, what weakness are you hiding? What weakness are you hiding? What weakness have you gotten away with hiding? That's almost the scarier one. What weaknesses are you defensive of? Because you see, it's a slippery slope. When we think we've successfully hidden a weakness, we are inclined to hide more than just the weakness. Your brain begins to tell you, if you can hide that, what else might you be hiding? I know this is true because of how parents hide Christmas gifts. When you're a little kid and you have a suspicion that there might be a gift hiding somewhere and you get within like, I don't know, 20 feet of that closet, your parents say, what are you doing? I'm just walking down the hallway. I, get away from there. Away from where? What do you, what, I, 
the same thing happens when we know that there is weakness living in us that we don't want people to see. We become uber defensive, become touchy when anybody gets anywhere close to what's really going on inside of our hearts. Our attempts to protect our weaknesses, they often manifest in anger, which means at times you can even backtrack from your moments of anger to find your hidden sin and weakness. We think about these in our personal lives. Hopefully, the Spirit is already helping you in your weakness this morning by helping you to answer those questions. What weakness are you dealing with? What weakness are you hiding? What makes you defensive? And as he's bringing those things to your mind personally, that's so important. But we also, man, we're in America, we're really bad at like individualization. And so it's important for us to ask as well, what weaknesses do we have as a corporate body? Us the church. We could go on for days, but I think the one that the Lord seems to be surfacing in my walk as I think about our church is we don't make each other or Christ a priority. The word is priority. You see, we would rather try to hide that weakness from God through lots of activity, lots of serving, lots of good things, that admit that we have a weakness of really learning how to love one another. Well, at this point, you might be thinking, why in the world would I want anything to do with a God who's on a mission to seek out the weakness in my heart? This is not what I came for. Why would I want anything to do with that God? This next phrase is a really interesting one. Because today, if you are without Christ, this phrase is going to possibly incite fear. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable. But with and in Christ, it's going to be the greatest news that you've ever heard. There is nothing in your heart that is hidden from God. There is nothing in your heart that is hidden from God. You see, without Christ, that is the worst news ever. But with Christ, it is the greatest news ever. You know, when we think about today's passage, it's really unique to me because it causes us to think about who God is and all that he is doing for us, even when we don't know or don't see. We believe that God is three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our kids are learning through the catechisms, like, who is God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We're learning these things, and, and we often don't think about what that means or the applications that that has. But I want you to, to with me for just a moment, check out all the examples of how God's presence is caring for you in these two little verses through the different manifestations of the Trinity. Every time you don't know what to pray, every time you're a little unsure, the Spirit has one. He's got one. He doesn't have to index all the prayers that have ever been prayed and, and help you pick the right one. It's just there. Boom. Perfect prayer that expresses perfectly not only what you feel, but also what you need. And all that before you even know what to type in the prayer search bar. The Spirit knows 
There is nothing in your heart that is hidden from God. And these prayers that the Spirit is praying on our behalf, they, they intercede. The word means to, to plead with the Father. It's the only place in Scripture that this word is used like this. And see, the Spirit is going back to the Godhead with your request. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is saying, whoa, let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about this girl. My boy, he's having a tough day. He needs us. You see, the Spirit doesn't just shoot your prayer into an inbox of mass requests. Somehow, in a way that only God understands, these prayers, they intercede, they plead specifically for you. God the Spirit is pleading to God the exact prayer that you need. It's placed right in front of God himself. So then as Paul, the writer of this text, he, he, he makes this connection for us. He says, you know that God searches our hearts, right? He searches our hearts. And quite honestly, people, including people in the church, have been terrifying us about this forever. God will judge you. God knows what you did. Little girl, God sees everything. God knows what you think. He will search you, and He will look for all your weakness, all the sin. All those are true. But I think we've missed the intent. We know it's true because of what we read in Hebrews 4.13. When the writer says, No creature is hidden from Him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. So yes, God will judge you. God sees you. He knows everything. He knows your thoughts. But I'm pretty sure that God's intention was not to freak you out. I'm pretty sure that God's intention was not to pose as some super creeper. That is not who God is. Because He says at the same time in these verses that the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows that the Spirit is groaning with you and for you and pleading on your behalf. He's caring for you. He's making just the right request for you. He is interceding. And so we have the Father searching our hearts and we have the Spirit interceding. But what about the Son? What does Jesus bring to the Trinitarian board meeting? I picture the three persons of the Godhead, Godhead functioning as one in unity. The Father needs to judge. The Spirit is empathizing and caring. And it's like, how do we resolve this tension? The Father sees weakness. The Spirit is just like, oh, just give him grace. Just give, please give him grace. And the Son, Jesus, he steps in and he says, I got this. What if I become the sin so that I can defeat the sin? What if I become weak so that I can shine brightly through their weakness? What if I made it so when the Spirit prays on their behalf, I am the answer? What if I make it so that when the Father searches their hearts, He will only see my righteousness? That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we love. 
And so you see, there is nothing in your heart hidden from God. But the beauty of it is that when you are in Christ, when you have trusted him and given him your life, as we saw Tinley do this morning and followed him in baptism, when we've done those things, when we are in him and the Father goes to search our hearts, he doesn't see our weakness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And so when I say the words, there is nothing hidden in your heart from God, it's great news because I know that what he sees is Christ in me. There is no weakness to be found because of the righteousness of Christ. And the Spirit of God is living in you, helping you with the weakness that you have as you await the day when you're to be in the presence of God forever. This summer, we had kids in our elementary age and students in our student ministry who went out to uh, Cedarmore. Kind of the first summer that we're really starting to get that going, and the kids that went had a great experience, and uh, we're hoping that, that those trips just keep on going and going and going because it's a great opportunity for uh, kids and teens both to begin to step into their own faith, to be without mom and dad and encounter the Lord, encounter the Spirit. And uh, this summer, I had the opportunity to go out there for a day. Their staff was leading a seminar on reaching Generation Z. Side note, you know you're getting older when people are no longer trying to figure out how to reach your generation. <laughs> Somebody said that's sad. <laughs> it is sad. I, let's figure out how to reach Gen Z. What about the millennials? Please just... All right. So we're trying to figure out how to reach Gen Z. And a huge part of that, these leaders are presenting what they're learning, right? They're, they're what they call digital natives. I still remember dial-up, believe it or not. Gen Z, nothing like that. Like, not even on their radar. They grew up on an iPhone and an iPad. It's all, like, everything in their life is digital. And because of that, they're temptation to access inappropriate material on the internet, it has only increased just as their use of technology has increased. And as they're learning this as spiritual leaders out there, these, these folks that are, that are leading our camps, man, they, they're saying we, we, we need to be on top of this. So they do something really cool. Anybody who comes and works on their staff uh, they, they provide uh, discounted uh, accountability software. It's called Covenant Eyes. And, and it's this great program that they're, they're using. And for many of these people, like, this is just exposing what they didn't even realize was a temptation for the first time. It's great. But what caught me was the personal story of one of the guys who was leading it. And he said, listen, Here's how it is. I've got covenant eyes on every device that I own. And my report goes out once a week to my dad and to my wife. Oh, snap. I'm just kind of like, I, I'm sure I looked nervous as I was like sitting like for him. And he looked at me and he said, I love it. He said, you know why I love it? And I said, no, please tell me why. He said, because the Lord has freed me from that and I have nothing to hide. 
I have nothing to hide. You see, the win wasn't that in his own strength, he used this accountability software and he really worked on it and everything started working out and it got better and better and better because of his human effort. The freedom came from Christ. The freedom came from exposing weakness and saying, I, I, listen, I'm no better than anybody else. I might be tempted by this. So Christ, I'm giving this to you. The software, the software on the other hand, was something that allowed him to live in the freedom of, I don't have to hide this. I have nothing to hide. Freedom came from Christ, not from the software. Joy came from knowing that there was nothing hidden. There is nothing in your heart hidden from God. And that should incite great joy in you. If it doesn't, you're probably hiding your weakness. And guess what? We all do. So how do we wrestle with that? What should this cause us to do? As we go back to Romans 8, 26 and 27, I think there's a really important phrase right at the beginning of verse 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. In the same way as what? In the same way as what? Last week, Dave Sullivan preached. Listen, he had a great catchphrase. Anybody remember what it was? Groan till you get home. Look at Dave, that's the mark of a good preacher right there. You got guys that seven days later can come back and tell you your main point. That's impressive. He preached on this idea of groaning till you get home, that you are joining the Spirit and recognizing, man, sometimes life is hard. Life is hard because we live in a world full of sin, and we are not made for this world. We're made for the next one. And so what do we do? We groan for home. And now it says, in the same way as that, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. So in other words, we wait eagerly. We groan for home. But in the same way that the Spirit helps us wait, the Spirit also helps us walk in our weakness. You see, our faith is not all passive. We're not just sitting around groaning, waiting. It's one thing that we do. In other words, while we groan for home, we also go with great boldness. We take leaps of faith. We move towards the unknown. We walk in our weakness. And so today, as you're wrestling with those questions that I asked at the beginning, what is your weakness? What is the weakness that you are defensive of? What is it that you're hiding? You need to know that there's a difference between owning your sin and walking in your weakness. To own my sin is a good step, but it's still a passive step. Oh yeah, I'm a sinner. It is what it is. Katie Gaither's least favorite phrase, it is what it is. To walk in your weakness, on the other hand, is to not only own your sin, but to actively pursue the God who loves you. See, there's no such thing as a passive relationship with God. The Spirit doesn't just come around when we're weak. He's there all the time, prodding us to walk as he pleads to God on our behalf. And the reality is, is we are always weak. And so he is always there, encouraging us to pursue Christ, to move towards the unknown by faith. Paul writes this in another letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He says, Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. 
So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, to walk in your weakness isn't to flippantly talk about your sin or to shrug it off. To walk in your weakness is not to be afraid of it. Instead, it's to be able to talk about it in a way that ultimately points back to Jesus. I am weak here. I know that I am weak here. But in my weakness, Christ is made strong because he will use my weakness to bring glory to his name. To walk in your weakness is to let Christ's strength shine through you. And you can do all that because the Spirit helps you in your weakness. He intercedes. He pleads for you. So how will you walk in your weakness? How will you walk in your weakness? I want to talk about three things specifically. And then I want to ask the question more generally for all of us to consider what the Spirit is doing in our hearts and minds. Number one is this baptism. Baptism. Baptism is the start of the journey. It's not the end. You will never be ready to take that step if you're waiting to be completely good. It, it won't happen. So you walk in your weakness by saying, I know that Jesus died for me, and I know that I want to give my life to him. I'm going to walk in my weakness by taking that step, and then I'll just see what's next. Because I'm going to keep failing, but I'm going to give my life to him every time I fail. That's what it is. You know, the beauty of it is, is that Jesus gave the church two ordinances, baptism and communion. And each week that we take communion, it's that same commitment. It's why it's so important to me that we do it each week. For those of us who have been baptized, communion is the same reminder that I failed, that I'm weak, and yet Christ is strong. <laughs> it's been a really, really fun journey walking with Tinley as she made the decision to be baptized. <laughs> really fun. One night, I'm like, I'm trying to seal the deal. Like, I'm trying to convince myself, okay, she's ready. So Preston and Tinley and I, we're doing bedtime stuff, and we, we do all kinds of just goofy stuff. We do prayer in the air where I throw the kids up every time we say a prayer. I mean, we just do goofy stuff. So one night I'm like, all right, we're going to play five questions. We're going to play five questions. I'm starting to ask questions. And I know that in my mind, like, all these are geared towards baptism questions. So we're asking the questions, and we get to the end, and I was like, all right, Preston, question number five is just for you. Preston, do you think Tinley is ready to be baptized. Preston, serious a heart attack, looks back at me and says, she has got way too much sin to get baptized. <laughs> Tinley. Listen, this is how I knew. It wasn't... It, it, <laughs> It wasn't what she said, it was how she responded because she didn't punch him or, you know, like. <laughs> cool as a cucumber, she looks back at him. She says, Preston, that's the point. <laughs> Man, that's walking in weakness. I love it. I love it. 
I love it for them, but I say to you, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you trust that he died on a cross to save you, and after having believed that, you've never stepped foot into those waters, what are you waiting for? Yes, you've got a lot of sin in your life. That's the point in Tenley's words. We are praying alongside of over 2,300 other churches in the Kentucky Baptist Convention this month that people who need to be taking the step of baptism would take it. Not because they've got life figured out, but because they are willing to walk in their weakness because they know they've got a Savior that shines through when they don't try to hide it. We can do it today, just for the record. And if you think I'm pressing hard now, wait till I tell Rosemary's story at the end. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm, the Lord is coming for you. Sorry, it's a little strong. He's searching out your heart, but the Spirit's empathizing. Number two, church planning. Today at the end, we're going to send a team of people to plant a new church in Henry County. Brings me great joy. Brings the Lord great joy. This week, two of the team members have come to me independently and said, I mean, I know we're supposed to be doing this, but now that it's here, I'm not sure that I'm ready. Ah! Walk in your weakness. Walk in your weakness. The Lord wants the credit. Of course you can't do it. Walk in your weakness. Caleb is such a great leader. Morgan's a better one. <laughs> Multiple times, he's come to me in our meetings and he said, Morgan keeps reminding me that church planning requires you to do things that aren't your strength. Mike, you should listen to her. Walk in your weakness. I love my family. My family's here with me today. We grew up in a very secluded place. I looked up the demographics last night. In 2010, we were 95% white. Might be a little low. With that being my heritage, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was racially and culturally ignorant. It's a weakness for me. I don't say that to demean anything about my upbringing. I have one of the greatest heritages that I can imagine. When I tell my story, um, I praise the heritage that God has given to me in the faith. But racial reconciliation, which is essential if we are living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a weakness for me. And I think if we are honest with ourselves and as we look around for our church, I cannot tell you the joy that I had when I got a message this week with a personal invitation to Christ Community Church to come and set up a booth at Martinsville Days tomorrow. I'll be there. I'll be incredibly uncomfortable. I'll probably say something stupid. Walk in my weakness. 
And on that one, I want to invite you to join me. Matt Simons will be there. If you want to be there, get with Matt Simons. You can't miss him. He's seven foot tall. How will you walk in your weakness? I don't know how you answered your question. Maybe your weakness is, I don't know how to parent my kids in this season of life. They're impossible right now. How will you walk in your weakness? I feel stuck at my job. Maybe you could walk in your weakness by asking the Spirit, who here can I share the love of Jesus with? Because that that gives a whole new sense of purpose to whatever kind of job you're stuck in. Maybe you're saying, I'm not sure how to engage with Scripture. I feel weak when it comes to just understanding what I'm reading. Okay, let's walk in your weakness together. We can do this. I don't know how to lead my family spiritually. I don't know how to lead myself spiritually. Maybe your weakness is I'm paralyzed by my thought life. Depression and discouragement rule my day. Church, we must prioritize one another and the Lord and walk together in our weakness. Don't hide those weaknesses. Walk in them. Pursue Christ in the middle of them. And I come back to the statement that I began with. When we know that there is nothing hidden from God, there's this strange belief that we can face anything with Christ. And when we believe that we can face anything with Christ, there is nothing we won't attempt with the help of the Spirit. But praise be to God. There is no weakness that you have or that I have, nothing that the Spirit won't help us with. You see, the Spirit, that confidence, allows us to go, to start, to be courageous, to be bold, to invite the person we've been wanting to invite, to share Jesus with the person that we've been walking with, that we know that what they're missing is really the gospel. It gives us the courage to say no to the things of the world and to say yes to making His church a priority. And sure, you're going to fail on the other side of that. Walk in your weakness because He will be there shining through. Close today. I left, I left this building Friday, 4 o'clock, end of the day. And uh, that's pretty normal. Another thing that's normal is I'll struggle to, I love telling stories, but I'll struggle to know which story I'm supposed to end a sermon with. As I remember Friday at about 3.58, praying, Jesus, you're going to have to show me what story to share. And Rosemary Colvin went to be with the Lord. Her family will be the first to attest that if there was anyone that didn't want her weakness to be seen, it was her. Her house was immaculate. Everything was always in its place. She never cried. Weakness was not her thing. Throughout the course of her battle over the last couple months, my kids had taken to singing the song 10,000 Reasons with her, for her. And this week, we went to see her they saddled up beside the bed, and Eric played the music on his phone. 
She hadn't been doing well, and that day she'd requested to see the great-grandkids. So they come in, and they're singing this song. I'm bawling my eyes out. Spirit was helping her to worship. Because a lady that hadn't been able to put two words together, a lady that was struggling to raise her hands or her head, as these kids sang, I watched as her head went with the music. I watched as she leaned in. She was walking in weakness in those moments. Two years ago, she was on this stage, an incredible sight, a miracle, a God of miracle. She shared her story. She's a chain breaker, came from a very rough background, family didn't know the Lord. She shared that with us, but she shared something else that I didn't know that has shaped me ever since. She talked about a season where she was unsure about her salvation. She accepted Christ at a VBS, thought everything was maybe good. She wasn't really sure. And she began to share about how this pastor came to her home. And she was interacting with the boys about their salvation. She shared this such, a, such an intimate thing. She said, he was sitting there sharing the gospel and he was asking questions. Do you believe this to be true about Jesus? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she said, burning within me was the question. Why won't you ask me those questions? Please ask me. She wanted to be asked. Rosemary and her husband Dave had some of the strongest faith they witnessed to many people. And she shared also on that day that Dave developed a way of sharing his faith. He would always start and he would say, Would it be okay if I ask you a question? And that was about how he talked. He said, of course, everyone would say yes. He said, there's two kinds of people in this world, lost and saved. Which are you? Which are you? Today, I'm asking you. Are you lost or are you saved? Because for those of us who are saved, when we think about our weakness, we recognize that the light of Christ shines through them as the Spirit helps us to walk in them. If you've been hiding in your weakness, it's time to come. It's time to give your life to Christ. It's time to be bold, knowing that the Spirit will help you as you go. The band is going to come back. We're going to sing another song. And as we sing, I want to invite you. Maybe today, maybe today you know you're saved, but you also know that you've been hiding a weakness. If that's you, I'm going to ask if you would, you can just come down to the front and, and pray.
Confess that to God. I'm not asking you to confess it to a bunch of other people. This is a moment down here between you and the Lord. But today, if Dave and Rosie's question, are you lost or are you saved, causes you to say, I'm, I think I'm lost or I'm really not sure, then I want to I wanna ask, as the Spirit pleads, I plead, come, meet me in the back, meet one of our pastor elders in the back, and let's take a next step together. Because the Spirit will help you as you walk in that weakness. I'm going to pray for us. Spirit, we um, many times, many times we struggle with who we are how we follow you or don't follow you. We, we just, we're so unsure. And in our doubt and in our wavering, Father, we, uh, we become so aware of the weakness in our life and we hide it. We feel shame. And so, Father, I pray that in this moment today, you would give freedom that the Spirit Himself would help us in our weakness. For those that aren't even sure what they're to do, we know, like, we know that the Spirit is interceding. He's pleading on their behalf. And so, God, we pray that for those of us who are hiding weakness, that we would just come and we would hand that back to you so that we could live in the joy of knowing there's nothing hidden in our hearts from you. For those that, that are lost or doubting their salvation, Father, we pray that you would give them the courage to come, to be baptized. We can, like, there's no rules about, like, we can baptize people today. So, Father, we pray that you would give people the courage to walk in their weakness with you. They're not alone. Use your spirit in that way today, we pray.